bro. What? Alexa, all. Oh, oh my god. Section 138. I'm your host, Mark Colley. As always, I'm joined by Bryson and Jacob. How are you guys? Doing great. Mark, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you, Jacob? I am doing great. I'm excited to uh, talk today. Well, we have some stuff to talk about. Not exactly what we wanted to talk about. Um, We were hoping all week since we recorded that episode on Monday that we would have news by the time we came back to you now. And course we're recording this on Sunday so happy Father's Day to everyone listening but unfortunately there is no news yet to report except for a continued stalemate. I mean it looked like pressure public pressure was shifting from the side of the owners with everyone being on the side of the owners and to the side of the players because they had this absolutely brilliant when and where public campaign everyone tweeting it and posting on Instagram but then now here we are The Players Association offered 70 games. The owners said they're not budging off of their 60 games that they offered. And now it looks like we can't really budge off this point. And, I mean, there's some small talks going on right now, but I, it's disappointing. It looked like we had a huge breakthrough, and yet here we are. Yeah, we're here, uh, what, Dave, like five days after our uh, emergency podcast. The last time we we recorded was the possibility or when Commissioner Manfred said that a season was in jeopardy and now all of a sudden we have moved past that notion and now it's come down to either if if there will be a deal or if there won't be a deal. And when it comes to a deal, um, regardless if this was a tactic that Major League Baseball used, but another reason to look at, another way to look at this is uh, they're actually looking to push spring training now an extra week. So you're looking at um, by the 4th of July at the latest, and the previous start date that we were all hoping for was the 19th of July. That has now been pushed to, based off of the calendar, possibly to the end of July, closer to when the NBA and the NHL are expected to return, which is around July 26th, July 27th. So when you look at the calendar here, uh, it really is impossible now to play over 60 games. And regardless of uh, what happens with an agreement or not, it looks like it is going to be 60 games uh, or not. Because now it looks like that the owners are willing to pay prorated salaries for 60 games max rather than 48 that we saw a few weeks ago so I guess there's a bit of progress there but now it comes down to if the players are going to budge on this and reconsider because we were were expecting a vote to be held uh, sometime this weekend Uh, it was actually supposed to be sometime today on Sunday June 21st but due to you know um, the outbreaks that we're going to be talking about a little bit later on in spring facilities with COVID-19 specifically in the state of Florida and Arizona um, the owners are now willing to make a, a little, of, uh, sorry, uh, the owners are willing to make uh, a little bit of more of changes to their proposal. And when it comes to that, it's probably more about the safety protocols. So again, we're going to be talking about that a little bit later on. 
But the thing that comes now is, um, you know, will the will the players budge and will the players budge to make a deal? And in my in my opinion, uh, I think the players have to take this. I really do. Uh, you know, regardless if they don't take it, a lot of things are in jeopardy other than the sixty games. So the, I'm sorry, there's going to be sixty games regardless. But a lot of other things are in jeopardy in two thousand and twenty and beyond two thousand and twenty one. So based off of this agreement that Commissioner Manfred and the owners um, offer to the players, it gives. Uh, expanded playoffs to 16 teams. It gives a universal DH, and there's some sort of extra innings modifications regardless because they want to get the games going as quickly as possible. But if the players don't agree to this, there's, there still will be a 60-game season. But now the expanded playoffs are gone, and now Commissioner Manfred as well said today that they're going to be removing that along with the universal DH beyond 2020. So there's a little bit of you know after effects here that gonna that's going to create some tension regardless. So I think I think... If you really look at this from a player's perspective, you know I, I'm sure when it comes to all of us, I think we appreciate what they tried to do. Uh, in fact, they were very successful with these negotiations, and we think that they're probably as close as ever before. But and in terms of what we mean by you know respecting them for everything they've done with the fight for prorated salaries, they also fought to play as many games as possible. And I think you have to give them kudos to that. But it just looks like, well, based off the calendar now, it's impossible. And I really think when you look at this too from the players, I think this is a win regardless. You got your prorated salaries, you got what you were fighting for, and it only took three months for the owners to finally give it to you and offer it to you. But now when it comes to the games played, it comes with a lot of other things on the sides. And when it comes to expanded playoffs and a universal DH mark, I know you don't like this idea, but I'm, and I'm sure you know as well, this is something that uh, Major League Baseball has been looking to do for years. You know, the, the league's now threatening to get rid of all of this, and it's just going to be a one-off in 2020. If, or sorry, it won't happen at all if there's no agreement. So a lot of things in the future here are in question if there's no agreement. And I think the players did everything they could, but I just think to benefit the sport and to, to get on with this during this rough period of time, I think, I think they have to really strongly consider taking this deal because, again, they get 60 games regardless, but now it comes with um, expanded playoffs and it comes with the universal DH beyond this year. So, you know, good for the players once again. Uh, we were expecting a deal by this weekend. I know we've been saying that for the past three months, but you know, you f- eventually we're going to be right. Uh, you, the calendar's still going. You know, the days can't stop. So hopefully m- by next week. I, I, again, I'm a, a broken record, but you know, we're hoping to get. We're hoping to have players report to spring training by the end of the month. Yeah, it's a tough position, and it sucks that we're watching this happen but as you said we're gonna get 60 games regardless or at least that's what we think the situation is right now because uh, Rob Manfred has the ability to set the amount of games that we play and he has the ability to start a season but the question is what happens after this is there a grievance filing from the association the players association is there you know ramifications for this in 2021 and I think bottom line it would be wonderful to watch this happen, and even if we're about to get into it, and I'll bring it up in a second, but even if the season doesn't happen because of coronavirus concerns, it'd be great if they reached an agreement so they can say, hey, it's not our fault that we didn't play this year. It's because of the coronavirus. It's not our fault that, you know, we're going to lose tons of revenue. You know, we eventually came to the table. We eventually made a deal, and it's only because of outstanding circumstances that we couldn't determine that we are in the position that we are now. And that would be great to say, you know, when fans look at the disappointment um, in the Players Association and the owners, it would be great to just say, we tried our best, but ultimately we couldn't control 
what's happening elsewhere. But, you know, that's not possible if you don't make a deal in the first place. So we're still waiting. And, I mean, hopefully next week. Fingers crossed. Um, But as we've been talking about, there is a possibility that this season doesn't happen at all. There is a lot of ongoing and increasing concerns about coronavirus in the league. And I think a lot of people kind of just assumed, I guess, back in mid-May, and I'm guilty of this as well, that, you know, the leagues could do this. You know, NBA, NHL, MLB, were all starting to talk about, you know, restarting their leagues and the approaches they could take, and they all expressed public certainty that they could do this safely. And I don't think we've been critical enough of that idea. And, you know, that kind of came to the forefront um, in the past few days uh, with reporting coming out, I believe it was yesterday, that a five Phillies players have tested positive and another 30 tests, I think, in the Phillies organization are outstanding and they're waiting on the results. And then the Blue Jays connected to this are only about a 10 to 15 drive minute drive away from Clearwater where the Phillies play um, in Florida, at least where their spring training facilities are. And one of the Blue Jays players who is connected to the Phillies, has some friends there, I think was the connection, has also been showing symptoms. Um, So the Blue Jays shut down their spring training facilities, the Phillies shut down their spring training facilities, and then the rest of baseball followed and shut down everything. And now it's kind of like a deep cleanse of all the the facilities to, um, I guess, kind of just have like a soft reset before we, fingers crossed, again, get into the season. But This raises concerns over whether a season is even possible at all or whether it's really responsible to undergo the risk. So what do you guys think? How do you think this news impacts the possibility of a season and and the, um, I guess, the ethical concerns about actually having a a season in these conditions? Yeah, there's a ton of concerns and there's no question about that. Uh, It definitely was considering to see these uh, outbreaks at these spring training facilities. And we know that, you know, a bunch of um, NFL players have also been testing positive, and most recently too, the most popular, arguably the most popular athlete in Toronto, Austin Matthews, was diagnosed with COVID nineteen. And regardless if you agree with, you know, the him being publicly announced or reported by it uh, with his privacy, that's another discussion. But at the end of the day, it's another star athlete, and I think this hits hard too when it's a well known player. And it's no disrespect to any of the others who have been diagnosed. It's just something that it really hits you. But when it comes to the league's restarting, in my opinion, I really don't think it changes a, a, a thing based off of the date. Now, am I, I'm not going to guarantee that they're going to start and then they're not going to finish. But what I'm trying to say is I think regardless of these cases, I think they're going to go ahead and start when they, you know, when they were expected to. And there, there, there's a few reasons why. Uh, I think that, you know, this is something that's going to happen. This is something that we need to get used to, regardless of what sport it is, regardless of where it is, whether it's via facility or community transmission or at the st- a stadium, I think there's going to be infected players. And I think we all know this. But the thing is, unlike last time, unlike a few months ago uh, when the NBA shut down and the NHL and, and then the MLB within a matter of 72 hours, uh, I think this is something that we're more prepared for now. And I just think that this is something that can't stop. It, it, this won't stop it, regardless if you agree with it or not. Um, when it comes to the leagues coming back, I don't think this stops a thing. Now, if cases continue to get worse and, you know, outbreaks go through teams, then you, then you got to reconsider. But this is something that's going to have to, this is something that's going to have to be dealt with in the sports world until there's a vaccine. And I think we're starting to get a really harsh reality of it 
based off of where we were three months ago, I think, you know, all of us were kind of expecting that we'd be in a, a better position by now. But the other question is, you know, regardless if athletes test positive or not, what point does it get? To, like, what point do you have to get to for a league to shut down again? Can you imagine the NBA, the NBA and NHL especially, just because they already they already had their season played majority of it, if they come back and they have to shut it down again? And for baseball, if players report to spring training, let's just say they play a month or something of regular season baseball and they have to shut it down again or if they have to shut things down in the fall during a second wave during the postseason it's it would be it would be heartbreaking news but I just I know it's horrible for me to say but I just positive tests are something that's gonna have to be dealt with in the sports world uh the the one thing though that bothers me is it was you know it was learned that you know these spring training facilities really didn't even have any proper protocols uh, there was temperature checks, but there wasn't actual testing or there wasn't frequent testing. And this is something that the MLB needs to get on board with because if there's a season, which is looking like there is, we just don't know when, this needs to be dealt with. At, this this matter needs to be dealt with as soon as possible. So I think it's I think it was really a really good decision by the league to follow the Blue Jays and Phillies by shutting down everything because they need to go through every facility, all 30 facilities need to go through a deep clean, um, which is going to happen. And there needs to be proper protocols in place for a player entering the facility. You know, t- as much as temperature checks are helpful, it doesn't solve everything with this virus. And you need it. There, it needs to be followed by testing. And unfortunately, you can't be allowed in a f- facility without a negative test. And I think that's the way it should be going, regardless of how frequent these tests are. But it's definitely scary. And going across other sports too, the Tampa Bay Lightning of the NHL in the state of Florida right now, which is a hot spot or the new hot spot of the United States. That's another facility that shut down. So I don't know what to think of this. It's definitely concerning. I, I mean, these players haven't even reported yet for training camps or spring training, and there's already outbreaks happening in a facility. So whether or not, I guess we're going to find out is proper pr- protocols were never put in place, or this is something that we just can't beat. But I think um, I, I think this is something that's going to, you know, the, these leagues are going to try, and there's certainty with that. But in terms of a start date, uh, for the NBA and the NHL and the MLB, I don't think this changes a thing. I think this is something that they're going to try and power through, regardless if you agree with it or not. And it's going to come with serious repercussions if it's not successful. And what by that, what I mean by that is, athletes hopefully, you know, God forbid, being tested positive or sports leagues shutting down again. But this is something very serious. And you know, these a lot of these states are already going through a second wave, like Florida. But you know it there's a lot of uncertainty. We don't know where we'll be in four months time uh, come, you know, come this sports returning, but I think they're still going to go on with this, but it's definitely something to be concerned about. See, I, I like the point you brought up how leagues are probably going to try and power through this. To be completely honest, I don't know if that's probably the best idea just because I, look, I, I want sports to be, to happen more than anyone here, but I, I just, I, I, I don't know how, safe it would be if you know the nhl or really any of these big leagues were to try and power through and then you know they do have to get shut down because then we're kind of back in stage one you know if for example you mentioned the uh the blue jays the phillies the Tampa bay lightning also you know these are teams that have had to you know completely close their facilities and if say the mlb returns in a month or so all it takes is really, you know, one player or one staff member to test positive and then potentially pass it on to a player who can then pass it on to the opposing team. And I think, you know, 
as much as just trying to get your your season or your postseason in is important, I think unfortunately waiting until it is safe to do so is probably the best idea. Now safe to do so could mean a ton of different things, you know, if there's uh you know, we're at the end of a wave, you know, there doesn't look like there's going to be a second wave, then you could consider safe to do so. But uh, also, you know, having a vaccine could also mean safe to do so. So I think, you know, it's going to be very difficult to determine when people can actually play just because, like I said, it takes one kind of person to test positive or to just have it without knowing and pass it on to, you know, God knows how many players, how many people, players and uh, whatnot. And I think I've said this a lot throughout the last couple of months on the podcast, how, you know, just returning when it's safe. And I just, I don't know when that safe time is. Is it later this summer? Is it in the fall? Is it just cancel everything until there's a vaccine or next year? Uh, you know, we, we just don't know. And I think it is going to be very difficult to determine when people could play because, Hey, le- these leagues want to make their money. They're, they're not stupid. They know they're not making anything right now. And I think, you know, just trying to go through this and just say, okay, we're going to, you know, do frequent tests and all that type of stuff. I think to to a degree it would work, but also, you know, those what if cases, if somebody has it and they're asymptomatic and they transmit it to so many people, who knows where that could go? Like I said, maybe an entire league gets shut down again. And then obviously we don't want that, but I think uh, unfortunately well, fortunately, I guess you could call it, but the, the health aspects of this are, I think, are going to override a lot of the the owners and the business side of things from continuing their play. Yeah, I'm right there with you, Jacob. I don't know if it's really wise to be trying to ramp things up right now. And Bryson, you alluded to this. We really have no idea what the protocol is right now. Right now, there is no standardized protocol. We saw the uh, tentative proposal um, that I think the league was sending to the Players Association, I guess it was like a month back now, that, you know, said like, no spitting, no showers, no um, high fives or whatever, all those stuff. But we haven't really seen definitive details of, you know, how the league is going to handle when a player tests positive, because like you said, it's inevitable. There are 1,200 players who are, you know, involved in this, not to mention front office staff who might be in contact with players and stuff like that. And it's inevitable that someone's going to test positive. It's just a matter of time and what you do when that happens. And right now we don't have a clear picture of what you do when that happens. We don't actually have a clear picture of what the solution is for baseball. And, um, we also don't have a clear picture of how you measure when you should shut the league down. Do you follow, general numbers, you know, congregate numbers from the state that the team is playing in, from the entire country? Do you just go by the number of positive tests on a team, on a league? Again, we have no idea what this is looking like, and I think that's the biggest concern for me. We've been haggling all along over the money side of things, but we haven't really talked about the safety, and that's something that almost has to be decided first before you can even talk about the possibility of having a season. So, that's my biggest concern. I don't know if it's really feasible at this point. And um, it, I, I do want to bring up the NBA a little bit because the, their suggestions and the things that they've been throwing out are just kind of wild. There's like the anonymous hotline that players can call if someone is violating the social distancing guidelines. There's a 
a supposedly a ring that players can wear that will detect early symptoms of COVID-19 before it start spreading, starts spreading. Like that just sounds like pseudoscience to me, but at least the NBA is making steps to, you know, provide comfort from the safety side of things. And I don't see major league baseball doing the same type of thing. Yeah. The one thing you wonder about these supposed rings that the NBA players are going to be wearing is, you know, how is this, how is this never a thing? Like, I don't understand why this was never a thing in terms of the early stage of the, of this, but I guess, you know, technology's advancing as we know it. And these things are, you know, the, it's really cool actually and interesting how effective this works, but that's the problem in going back to baseball is we've spent so much time focusing on the salary, you know, the salary, the, the money disputes between the two sides. And we don't even know anything about the safety protocols and the safety protocols have apparently haven't even been agreed to yet. So when you look at other leagues like the NBA, first of all, this whole bubble idea, like you mentioned in Disney world, I, I, I think it's a really creative idea. I really do. Um, I think everything they have set up is really interesting you know, I like how, unlike baseball, they're actually, you know, there was 113, it was like 100, over 113 pages of, you know, safety protocols. And it was all in this whole f- folder or file, whatever you want to call it. It's really cool how, you know, other teams are, ba- you know, in different hotels based off of your record. The top teams are at the best hotel. Uh, and then I guess the lower seated teams are at the, I guess, lowest class hotel, but it's Disney World. So I'm sure every hotel's nice. Uh <laughs> At least, so it's 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 really cool in terms of that bubble format. Uh, I I do think the the safety protocols they've brought up is really interesting, and I think it's something that can definitely be done. But the problem is, is you can't trust everybody to follow these protocols, and I guess that's where the anonymous hotline comes from. And you know, you hope hopefully players are truthful with this. Hopefully, players aren't purposely doing it to knock them out of the games. You know, you hate to see that, but. It's just with baseball, it's just you haven't heard anything about it. The only thing we've heard, like you said, Mark, is no spitting, um, potential uses of masks, um, bullpen pitchers in the stands to so, to social distance. Like there really hasn't been much, and nothing's been even agreed to. It's just part of it was just part of the proposal, but this whole labor dispute uh, between money has overshadowed it, and it's not. It's something that it's not right. And I remember um, I said this weeks ago on our crossover pod. Uh, it was about a month ago. Why aren't we talking about the safety first? And that's wh- that's where it comes from. Because if you look at this now, pl- again, players haven't even reported for spring training or training camps, and people are already testing positive. That's concerning. It really is. How are you going to get through a training camp if you have facilities shutting down? But the other thing is, why isn't there any proper protocols in place? This is something that needs to be get- done quick. But the problem is, it- it's almost like baseball is going to have to rush this and try and get this down pat. When you're only what a week or two away from players potentially showing up again for spring training, so I think this is an entire mess. But I do think uh, this isn't stopping them from trying, and it, it's harsh. It really is, Jacob. I know you said you don't agree with it, and you know the right person would probably agree with you. But this is based off of a business, and this is based off of giving content to fan bases and aud- audiences around the world. And regardless of if a star player or three, four, or five people potentially get wiped out from this virus on a team, again, God forbid, there's going to be people that are ready to play because of, there's going to be taxi squads, there's going to be people you know, isolated at different locations or centralized locations ready for this type of situation. And that's the worst case scenario when it comes to players being wiped out from this is that the games aren't going to stop. It really isn't. And that's why we've taken this three-month break to get prepared for this. The games are going to go on regardless of who you are. But once again... What point do you have to cross for this whole thing 
to go sideways and for the league to shut down because we really don't know. And another sport that really interests me is the NFL because they're going to be starting in the fall. You know, there seems to be they're living in their own world. Um, and this is they're going to be playing throughout the winter. And this is when health experts are predicting a second wave. I, I don't know how they're going to do it, but they've been awfully quiet about this. I'm sure they're preparing for it. But the one question mark is for them. And this also comes after, you know, regardless if you listen or not, Dr. Fauci, who everybody loves, uh, he's the one that was saying baseball shouldn't even be playing in October to begin with. Everything should be done, including playoffs in September. So this comes with a whole, you know, a whole handful of questions. And I think this is something that's really, really been taken account of this week because as we're finally seeing these outbreaks at these facilities, people are starting to question, yeah, like, like, is this really going to work? And nobody really knows. But the only thing we do know is it's not going to stop the league from trying or any league. Yeah, part of me is, part of me is wondering that the if the the numbers and the 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 positive taste tests and stuff like that have been leaked by the owners. And I mentioned it earlier, but this is a convenient excuse for the owners to say, "Oh, sorry, like yeah, we didn't want to play sixty games anyways, but." Well, we can't play any games now because people are testing positive. So, you know, they wipe their hands clean of all of this and they say, okay, come back next year. And it's, you know, hunky-dory for them because they got out of this without playing any games, without paying the players any salaries, which is what some owners apparently want um, to begin with. So part of me thinks that this is being leaked by the owners and it has an excuse to not play the season. But as one of my friends pointed out, like regardless of where this information is coming from, it's still a problem. You still have players testing positive and you still have a lack of protocols by Major League Baseball. So yeah, it's it's a big concern for me. And um, yeah, obviously we don't have the answers, but I'd like to see Major League Baseball at least attempt to answer these questions and get ready um, for the reality that we're going to have to face if games are actually played. Yeah, I think the, the biggest thing here, uh, Bryson, you said it a little bit, how this is a business and you know, regardless of whether it is safe to play or not, people's lives depend on making the money from these these games. And if if they have to rush these protocols, then I think unfortunately they will do that. And it, it's it is unfortunate because you mentioned how if even if star players are to get wiped out, you know, games still have to get played. And I think unfortunately that will probably end up being the case, just because you know you can't just not play because, you know, Mike Trout or whoever just gets ridiculously sick. Obviously, hopefully that does not happen, but you get what I mean? How it's, it's kind of, you know, baseball is going to happen whether, you know, it's, whether it's probably the best, uh, in the best interest of the players and, you know, the owners and every, or anybody that's in direct contact with a lot of people. I just think that it's going to happen and, you know, if you get sick, well, then uh, I don't know. They'll send you to a hospital or something, or they they probably will not shut down unless it gets ridiculously bad. And obviously, if they they do that, then it's too late. Mm-hmm. And it just it, I don't know how this wasn't agreed to months ago. We know we do know that players are using the facilities to train. That's no secret. Uh, there's been players, regardless of a home stadium or a spring training uh, stadium, there's been players who are still working out there, and I'm sure you guys. I've seen there's there's videos everywhere of it regardless if you're with one person or two people or three people like I, I do I don't understand how tests couldn't have been mandatory I don't know how you weren't allowed 
in the facility without a negative test. I just don't understand it. But going to your point, Mark, in terms of the owner's side, I, I definitely wouldn't be surprised if they're leaking this. And the other thing is, in terms of a potential grievance with the players, is it even a certainty that the players win anymore? Because a couple weeks ago, or, you know, actually, no, it was just this past week on the emergency podcast, I said they for sure lose the grievance. But this whole COVID-19 outbreak, and I know it, it, it pains me to say it, but this outbreak is helping them, in my opinion. It's really turning the tide and the, the leverage because now the owners are coming out and saying, you know, you need to play 60 games. We need to finish it between this time and this time. And like I said, again, Dr. Fauci is the one who is against playing in November because of a second wave. You know, what's the guarantee the players win a grievance now if they file one? And I'm sure the players are wondering this the same way. I think this whole outbreak has really changed the tide. And I really think it's um, gone on the owner's side. But when it comes to not playing because of COVID-19, that's one thing. And I think of all of us, I think what all of us would understand if they came out and said this, but not to play because of money is a different scenario. So who knows what this holds, but we're expecting hopefully a couple days. We know, Uh, we know that, you know, canceling the season based off of money is no longer a strong possibility. The only way it'll be canceled now is because of COVID-19 just because of these outbreaks. But I, I really think that this is another reason why the players may feel like they have no choice but to take this deal because of, you know, even if they file a grievance, they might not necessarily win it. And now you look at the universal DH and you look at expanded playoffs and that's out the window for 2021 until the CBA is up at the end of that year. So I just, I, I do think that this has changed the tide and it's unfortunate to say it, but I, I do think that the ball is in the owner's court now. I really do. And that it looks like it has been, they gave him an ultimatum. Uh, they said 60 games or nothing. And guess what? If you don't agree with it, then Commissioner Manfred will implement the exact same number of games, but you don't get the expanded playoffs you want, and you don't get the universal DH or expanded playoffs beyond 2020. Yeah, and I right now you mentioned the ball is in the players' court, and it's just hurry up and wait. That's all we can say right now. And, of course, fingers crossed we'll see something next week, and that's all we can hope for. But um, another part of this conversation that we wanted to talk about is where the Blue Jays are going to play because this has been – kind of a, a wide-ranging and changing topic as time has progressed. And, of course, we've talked about it before. Bryson, you really want games in Toronto, but um, it's a changing situation. Of course, at first we thought it would only be Dunedin. Like, that was a reality that we were facing. But now it looks like things are changing. Florida is a hot spot, and uh, Mark Shapiro, the president of the Blue Jays, is now advocating um, – Uh, on behalf of the organization to the Canadian government to lift that 14-day self-imposed quarantine that everyone has to have when coming into the country for professional sports players so that they can play on the home turf in Toronto. And right now, it looks like playing in Toronto is a lot safer than playing anywhere else because cases in Canada and Toronto and I mean, I'm familiar with the Ottawa numbers, but everywhere around Canada, they're dipping compared to the U.S., where it's either staying steady or increasing in some parts, including in, as I mentioned, Florida and Arizona, which are going to be two key sites in this conversation. And then on top of all of this, there's also the talk of the Blue Jays splitting their home games at Tropicana Field with a raise, uh, because that way they wouldn't be playing in a spring training facility, they'd be playing in a real baseball stadium. And then... Again, on top of all this, there's some rumblings about Buffalo being in play. Um, 
Bryson, I know you're opinion about opinionated about this. What are your thoughts on all these different possibilities? Yeah, absolutely. And when I started this off last week, I said it's become it's just a fetish for me. I think they should be playing in Toronto. Well, guess what? That fetish has now become safe in terms of safety because when you look at it, I know actually today was actually a um, a dark day for the world with COVID nineteen. As the WHO actually said that today was the biggest, um, it was it was the biggest increase in cases today uh, than it ever has been. So that's definitely a dark day, and we know what's going on in the states. But here's the thing that I don't get. I really don't understand why there's so there's a fetish for them playing anywhere in Florida. Uh, Dunedin's one thing, and when it comes to Tropicana Field, I can't watch 30 home games of them playing at Tropicana Field. I can't do it. And if you look at it even more, it'll be more than 30 games because then they're going to have to play the Rays, and then the Rays would be considered the home team. If you're really that destined to play in Florida, then you play in Dunedin. You're not. You, there's no way you play at Tropicana Field. And Tropicana Field, first of all, it's we all know it's a dump. Like how how much better of quality of play is there going to be at Tropicana Field than Dunedin or sorry TD Ballpark in Dunedin, which was which was renovated this year? And by all means, it's definitely Major League ready. We we saw it during the spring. Not everything was ready around the field, but there there won't be fans in the stands, so who cares? As long as there's a field there and a clubhouse for the players. But I I don't understand why there's a fetish with Florida. Um, Ontario continues to be going down in cases. I know there's a border rule with the 14-day quarantine, and actually the 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 federal government officially gave waived an NHL like waived the 14-day quarantine rule for an NHL team to potentially be a hub city. And what they did was um, the team would be isolated from the public and making they would make a hockey rink a some sort of safe zone. So it's pretty much you only go to the rink, and I guess for essential you know something essential like groceries or something like that but going back to baseball if 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 Florida is that bad and you can't play in Toronto I I don't understand why they're not looking into Buffalo a little bit more or Mark you mentioned the possibility of New Hampshire I haven't even seen that I haven't even seen that possibility but I would definitely be all for it I just I don't get it and let me let me paint the picture here for you guys too you know Florida is that bad with well first of all they're they're averaging over 4,000 cases at a day now, which is horrible, but think about it. New York was the hot spot at the beginning of this. We know how bad it was there. Thank God things are getting better, but the cases are still not where they want it to be. You know it's that bad when both New York teams are moving their spring training to New York. They're not doing it through Florida. They're going from the they're going from the potential new hotspot of the U.S. to the to the old hotspot, which you know not even two months old. They're moving it from one hotspot to another hotspot. That's how bad it is. And when it comes to teams trying to play in Florida, you know, the Jays trying to relocate in Florida, if anything, I think the Florida team should be trying to relocate to get out of there. I, I You know, in terms of a bubble format, I know the NBA is playing in Florida. That's a little bit different, from my opinion, because it's a bubble. But if these teams are regionally traveling, I, I don't know how safe it would be for any of those teams, including a Florida team, to be going in and out of the state on a regular basis. I don't understand. I just don't think it's safe. I know there's facilities all over Florida and Arizona. I, I I understand that, but every baseball team or every every baseball team except for the Jays have moved their spring training up to their home home market. A because it would be easier because of players traveling back and forth. You can get a regular season started sooner, and B because of what's going on in Florida with these cases. I don't understand why there's a fetish for them to play in, in Florida. I really really think that they should be trying to do everything they can, and I know they are 
to play in Toronto. I think I think it could be done. It's the safest place to play. And if if Justin Trudeau doesn't want to give an exception to the Jays, then I think they should be playing in Buffalo. I really don't think they should be anywhere near Florida. And it's unfortunate because we thought we, things would be better by now. But Florida's becoming the new hotspot of this whole thing. I just don't understand it. And if you look at it once again, both New York teams had to move their spring training to New York, another place where it's it's bad. But it's the numbers are on the on you know the numbers are going down, which is a good thing. And you know the future for them looks a lot more promising than the state of Florida right now, or, or even Arizona. Yeah, I think definitely Florida should you know be the absolute last resort if it's even considered at all. I think Toronto is definitely a a safer option. I think today today there was only what I think 175 new cases in Ontario, so it's definitely on the decline. I think it was like up to 400 a couple weeks ago, and now it's you know less than half that. Um, so I think Toronto is probably you know a good idea as long as as you said the players are kind of only allowed to go to the stadium and if they absolutely have to to go get groceries. Um, you you know maybe even a safer option is through the uh the grocery delivery apps. I think that would also you know help their case a little bit. Um, but Buffalo is also an interesting one because I mean AAA you know it is the kind of the next best thing in terms of major league ballparks. You know the the Buffalo Bisons play there all the time. Um, and and it's only like what I think from Toronto maybe like less than a two hour drive. So it's really not putting the players too far out of their element in terms of regular season play. It, it's probably the best option if Toronto can't happen. Um, let's say even if it does, they want to, they want to switch. Like I said, it's a, it's a quick drive. Um, but yeah, I think Buffalo, the, the one good thing about Buffalo is it's within the United States. And if it is going to get complicated with uh, the border and the government wanting to impose or not impose this 14 day quarantine, you know, if the logistics of this are a little too complicated, then, you know, Buffalo might be the better option just because you keep the entire league within the U.S. Um, obviously, the, the Blue Jays, much like the Raptors, are the only Canadian teams in their leagues. Uh, so maybe keeping them in, in, in within one country, within the rest of the league, is probably the best option. Um, but yeah, I think as time goes on, I think I'm probably leaning more to Toronto just because like I said, like Bryson said, who wants to watch Tropicana Field and be the new Blue Jays home field? Like that place has been my least favorite ballpark ever since I started watching. Like it's it's awful. But you know, if I, I think Toronto, if if the cases in Florida are as bad as they're becoming, or they're still on the rise, I think Toronto is probably the the best option. And if they can't go to Toronto just because of the border issues, then Buffalo. I think Buffalo is probably the best option. Like I said, it's. It's very close, and it keeps the entire league within one country. So it just prevents a lot of these issues co- that happen with coming in and out of the border. You know, I would barf if the Blue Jays <laughs> had to play 30 games at Tropicana Field. Like, it's bad enough as is watching, like, 10 games a year at Tropicana Field. Like, I can't imagine watching all those games. But I want – Bryson, you mentioned New Hampshire, which um, obviously, like, the Blue Jays have their double-A team here northeast – Dental Delta Dental Stadium is the place that they play, which is mouthful, but it's a really nice stadium. Um, and of course, I live here in New Hampshire, and um, it's interesting. The NHL apparently, you know, like way back, I think it was May, was 
talking about Manchester, uh, which is the biggest city in New Hampshire, as being a sort of hub city or a place where a few teams would play. I don't totally know the details to it, but, you know, that's kind of gone out the window. But it does present itself as a possibility, and you really you just got to take your pick out of the three spring training or, or rather uh, farm system places for the Blue Jays to play in. I think the detraction from playing in Buffalo and New Hampshire instead of Florida is just the the facilities that you have. Of course, the spring training facility is built for just that. It's built to house, you know, more than the 25 players on your roster, more than the 40-man expo- expanded rosters, but more like, you know, 60, 70. You have all these non-roster invites, guys you call up from the minors, and all these fields that you can train on. So it's really built for for major league quality baseball, even if it is a single A, high A um, home stadium. But at the same time, places like Buffalo, they're just built for triple A. Places like New Hampshire in Manchester, that's just built for double A baseball. But so I think that would be the main case to playing in Florida. But man, you look at all the top positive cases, you mentioned over 4,000, you know, in the past day. And that's just totally wild compared to what we're seeing in Toronto, even in New Hampshire. You know, we're not seeing anywhere near those types of cases, and um, New York as well is doing a good job. So, yeah, I I don't want to see any games in Florida. No, and just remember, yep, not only would it be 30, but it's also the times where they would have to play the Rays when the Rays are considered the home team. So it's more than that, which sucks. But, yeah, I, I guess you're right. There's no question that the the spring training facility for Dunedin, down in Dunedin, would be the in terms – you know, probably the best hospitality for them. But, you know, the only thing to look at too is it's not like you're shipping them off to a, an empty field if they go to Buffalo or New Hampshire. Like you said, there are facilities there and I think it's something that would be doable. Now, a whole it, it depends on a, a whole bunch of other scenarios and one thing is, you know, how many people are you gonna are going to be with you? And if you're going to have a roster of 30, well, don't forget another taxi squad because that is potentially going to be up to another 30 people. So there's a 60 people right off the bat. So who knows where all these people go? Who knows how many taxi squad members there would be? There would be, but I just I really think that, and I'm sure Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins are doing this. You know, making a case for them to play in Toronto. Um, Toronto's done a great job, uh, in, or sorry, the whole country of Canada's done a great job in containing this virus. And like you know, the numbers are looking really good right now compared to the rest of the world. You know, why not try and put some safety measures in place and allow the Jays to play in Toronto, you know, isolate them from the public. And the one thing I want to mention too, is even if you're somewhat ice or you know, so, so-called isolating them from the public, even if they weren't isolated from the public, where would they go? Like, like why would you even want to leave your, your house or your hotel, regardless of your, the home or away team and, you know, go somewhere. First of all, not a lot of things are even open right now. And, Toronto itself is still in stage one of reopening, so nothing's really open other than essential businesses and retail stores with a street entrance or something like that. But in terms of like restaurants or clubs, none of that's even open. And even if it does open, there's many restrictions. Like I, I don't understand um, what, what players, you know, what why players would go above and beyond to get out of a hotel room and do something stupid. I really think that they they understand the health risks risks in place. And, you know, if the players have a family or if they're married or if they have kids, that's another thing they would look forward to. They would be spending more time with them and they wouldn't want to put them at risk. They're already going to a ballpark every day. And I guess that would be the place of risk for them. But I just think it's something that could be done. I really do. Now, if 
let's say the province of, of, of Ontario was, you know, surpassing 400 cases a day, I think it's another discussion. And where we were a few months ago, that was a discussion saying it's just it's not safe right now. But we've done a really good job. And I, I really do think that, you know, I, I do think Ontario's flattened the curve. And now, of course, anything can change in terms of a second wave or any sort of outbreak at any place in the province. But they've gone, you know, they've done a slow regional approach to reopening. And I think I think it's safe. I really I really do think it's the safest bet for them. So I really hope something they can work something out. But if not, I just I, I don't like the idea of Florida. And I know they have the best hospitality. I know that facility. They've spent so much money into it in terms of renovations, but that it it's it's a hot spot. It's the new epicenter of the United States. And one study was done saying based off of the amount of cases they're experiencing a day, it's equivalent to one and out of one out of every fifth person testing positive. So if you want to, you know, relate that to a baseball team, you can imagine the serious, serious repercussions that could have with the current numbers there uh, they have, and it's not going down. So who knows where this will go? Yeah, and another benefit for playing in New Hampshire that I just thought of is that there's a hotel in left field, kind of like there is at the Rogers Center. It's like right at the stadium. Um, in fact, like once you get a, if, if, there are rooms that are like overlooking the stadium, so. It could be entirely self-isolating there, and there's a um, a grocery store. It's called Market Basket. It's a local chain, and it's right around the corner from the stadium. So just like that, you got groceries, you got housing, you got everything you need right there in Manchester, New Hampshire. So, um, but I think we'll leave that conversation at that. Uh, moving forward, um, I think the only thing we have left left to talk about is the ESPN. 30 for 30 documentary, Long Gone Summer. It came out, I guess it was a week ago today. It came out on Sunday last week. And I know I've watched it. Bryson, you've watched it. I don't think you've watched it yet, Jacob. Um, I think you're the odd man out in this conversation, but I really enjoyed watching it. Absolutely. And it's just cool because the excitement that the game had during those times. Um, It was something that was going on every single night. And I've mentioned it so many times. Baseball is one of the best sports to watch in terms of exciting plays or your team being good because it's on constantly every night. And from the sport, I, I said it again during the emergency podcast or um, last week. Really, it's the exact same points that I'm making is that these two, you know, Sosa and Maguire, arguably saved the game from the 1994 strike. Uh, it was exciting. It, it definitely got the sport back on the map. People were talking about how. Uh, how excited they were, you know, news news anchors, sports anchors, talking about this day in and day out. It was really an eye. It was really something that caught everybody's attention. You know, if you're a, regardless if you're a baseball fan or a sports fan in North America or even around the world, I'm sure it got traction everywhere you went. Is you know who's going to pull out on top? And it was really cool to see. Uh, I don't know. I didn't know much about the two anyway, uh, and so some McGuire just because again I wasn't alive during those times, but. To watch a documentary on it, it's similar. It it has a last dance feeling to me, um, just because of the how cool it was to you know. I think documentaries have become the new thing during this quarantine period, and you know I'm I've always loved documentaries, and when it comes to sports documentaries, it gets me even more um, engaged into it. So I I really do think it was really well produced by ESPN, and the only one the only bad thing I'll take away from it is not it it, it really continues to harm or to impact me because even the more I watched it, the more I missed baseball. Uh, it's It sucked. It really did suck. That was the only problem and it had nothing to do with the documentary or the players. It sucked because 
it was really the closest we had to baseball other than watching an old game from what two three four five years ago but really well produced documentary uh exact same feeling i had during the last dance very invested very exciting um you know well done and hopefully we can have something like that one day regardless if it's you know, a, a hit battle, a home run battle, an RBI battle between two players. Um, you know, it'd be cool. It, the games are always better when there's that one-two rivalry. You know, who's the better player? There's always debates. Who's the better player, Michael Jordan or LeBron James? Who's the better player, you know, during that season? Who was more impacted uh, towards their team in terms of Sosa and Maguire? So I really hope that we can go through something like that again once live sports actually return. But I, I love the documentary. And Jacob, I, I don't know what you're waiting for, man. You got you to gotta tune in. And I, I, I've been grinding a lot of video games lately. I probably should, <laughs> oh, uh, I probably should get on, uh, on that. It's so I don't know, the only show I, really, only show I really watch is Family Guy for some weird reason. But I should probably <laughs> watch something more, uh, more educational or at least less crazy as that show. <laughs> it's so good. And I don't know, I don't know what the, I don't know what the deal is in Canada, but for the U.S., I can just subscribe to ESPN Plus. I think it's five dollars or six dollars a month, and I got it just to watch Long Gone Summer. But I've been binging all the other baseball documentaries. So there's, I watched one on the, the Yankees and Red Sox, uh, 2004 ALCS, which was, it was all right. It was kind of polarizing for me because I hate the the Red Sox, but. Um, <laughs> And then there was there was one on the 1989 uh, World Series with the earthquake between the the Giants and the the Athletics, and that one was really good. So, lots of great stuff there. Jacob, you got to start watching these. I, I honestly, I I say that I will every time, but I honestly, I'm done school, so I definitely should fill my time with some of this stuff. You haven't fixed your computer, and you yeah. have, have you watched the desk, the Last Dance? Uh no, no. So you haven't finished. You haven't fixed your computer. <laughs> no. You haven't watched the Last Dance. You haven't watched Long Night Summer. Like, I, what's going? Like, I don't understand, man. Hey, I, you know what? I will start watching it actually you know, tomorrow. Tomorrow morning, probably. Okay, we'll hold you to that. Believe when I see it. <laughs> Send us a picture. <laughs> okay. Well, with that, I think we'll wrap things up for today. Thank you to everyone who listened and enjoyed our podcast and if you did enjoy it as always i encourage you to rate and review it on itunes and you can follow us and stay up to date with all of our episodes at section 138 pod on instagram and twitter and um just this week i've been listening to a few podcasts that if you're done with this podcast you want to listen to something else i encourage you to listen to the latest episode of at the letters um, with Arden Zwelling and Ben Nicholson-Smith. They had a really good conversation about um, diversity and sexuality in sports, so that's really interesting, and you should check that out. But with that, I think we're done for today. Thank you for listening, and we'll catch you next time. Come